when we see paintings of Jews, what do they look like? That's right, old, bearded, pasty white Jewish men. Let's go beyond the stereotypes and look at what Orthodox Judaism really is. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm your host, Rabbi Jordan Parr. On last week's podcast, we took a broad view of the different streams within Judaism, the Sephardim, Mizrahi, Orthodox, Conservative, Reform, and others. On this episode, we will dive into Orthodox Judaism. One caveat, I am a Reformed Jewish rabbi. While I admire and appreciate much of what Orthodox Judaism offers, it is not my Jewish practice. Nonetheless, I hope to present Orthodox Judaism fairly and in a positive light, because there is much to admire about this most traditional of Jewish streams. In each of the episodes about streams of Judaism, we will focus primarily on five areas. Who is a Jew? The role of men and women, kashrut, the Jewish dietary laws, and how the stream interacts with the world at large. It is important to state that Orthodoxy is not a monolithic community. There are many ways to be an Orthodox Jew. For simplicity's sake, we will focus on two broad divisions, the modern Orthodox and the Haredim, the ultra-Orthodox. The main differences, as we will see, are how the groups interpret Jewish law and how they interact with the larger world. Yet within these two groups, there are many, many subgroups, each with their own take on traditional Jewish practice and law, echoing the decentralized nature of Ashkenazic Judaism in Europe. Orthodox Judaism is founded on the belief that God gave Moses the entire Torah, both written and oral, on Mount Sinai. This means that both the Torah and the oral tradition that became the Mishnah are inerrant. They are the literal word of God. If terms such as inerrancy and fundamentalism sound familiar, it is because orthodoxy shares these concepts with some Christian denominations, although without Jesus added into the mix. Surprisingly, then, orthodox Jews do not follow the Torah's definition of who is a Jew, that a Jew is one who has a Jewish father. As we learned in our very first podcast, Who is a Jew?, the Bible defined an Israelite as one born of a Jewish father. Moses, David, and Solomon, for example, married non-Israelites, yet the Bible does not condemn them. Their children were considered Israelites, even if their mothers were not. This changed when Ezra decreed that Jewish status flowed from the mother, not the father. The change occurred when the Jewish community reorganized itself in Jerusalem following the Babylonian exile. Ezra's edict became determinative during the time of the Mishnah and Talmud. So today, if your mother is Jewish, the entire Orthodox community, modern and Haredi, consider you a Jew, even if your father is a Christian. In fact, all streams consider you Jewish if your mother is Jewish. Your level of practice does not matter, only your lineage. Along these lines, men and women have well-defined roles within the Orthodox communities. The Torah goes into detail concerning boundaries. We cannot mix two kinds of seed together when planting. 
We cannot yoke an ox and an ass together. We cannot weave linen and wool together. These boundary definitions include gender roles, even to the point that men and women cannot sit together during worship, nor can women lead mixed worship or become rabbis. Men are expected to be the primary breadwinner. Men are also expected to engage in lifelong study of classical Jewish texts, especially the Talmud. In modern orthodoxy, many women also work, yet are still expected to take on traditional female roles, such as child-rearing. The very first mitzvah, a God-given commandment in the Torah, is to be fruitful and multiply. Modern Orthodox Jews take this seriously. Many couples endeavor to have three or more children, to grow the community, and in modern times, to attempt to replace the Jews lost in the Holocaust. In the Haredi, ultra-Orthodox communities, these boundary roles are even more rigid. While some Haredi women work, most are focused on child-rearing and fulfilling the homebound mitzvot. While all Orthodox Jews try to live in well-defined neighborhoods to promote community and fulfill certain religious commandments, the Haredi are more insular. Their interaction with the larger world is kept to a minimum. It is also not uncommon for a Haredi couple to have six, eight, or even ten children. The burden of child-rearing is borne by mothers and the older female children, at least until they are married and start families of their own. Living in their tight-knit communities enables the Haredim to shut out the larger world and focus on the fulfillment of the commandments. Haredi boys are groomed to work in the world. They may become doctors, accountants, lawyers, or other professionals, but their main area of study is Torah. Indeed, it is a lifelong activity. And by Torah, I mean Talmud. Orthodox Jewish men, and especially Haredim, are expected to pray three times daily, father children, keep their wives happy, provide for their families, and support the community financially. Most modern Orthodox, and almost all Haredim, send their children to private religious schools. Boys and girls learn in separate classes, and often in gender-specific schools. The teachers of the Jewish studies classes, such as Bible, Talmud, and prayer, are almost always rabbis. Secular studies, such as math and science, are kept to a minimum in Haredi schools, but receive greater emphasis in modern Orthodox schools, since these families expect that their children will attend college and must be prepared. In contrast, many Haredi boys do not go to college. Instead, they attend advanced yeshivas, schools for Jewish studies, get married, and learn a trade. In these communities, marriages are often arranged, and young adults marry much younger than they do in the modern Orthodox world and especially when compared to the more liberal Jewish world. The reason for this is obvious. The earlier that children marry, the sooner they can have children of their own. A universally accepted mitzvah among Orthodox Jews of all stripes is the observance of kashrut, the Jewish dietary laws. We will talk about kashrut in depth in a later episode, but for now, let's just say that there are three major principles behind kashrut. No mixing of dairy and meat, no eating of pork, shellfish, or predatory animals, and no eating of an animal's blood. Blood represents God's life force coursing through us, and therefore the laws of kashrut require that Jews leach the blood from animal flesh before cooking. Orthodox Jews strictly follow these laws. 
There are kosher slaughterhouses scattered across the country where cows, lambs, chickens, and other kosher animals are slaughtered in a ritual manner. The meat then goes to kosher markets where the products are sold under rabbinic supervision. Before we break, I do want to mention that we have not talked about the Hasidim. While many think that the Hasidim are another group within Orthodox Judaism, their history, story, and rules are quite different. They deserve their own podcast. Let's take a short break. When we return, we will talk about how Orthodox Jews interact in the larger world. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Before we return to our discussion of Orthodox Judaism, I want to thank you for listening. Please remember to rate and review this episode, as well as previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, and other great podcasting sites. Also, you can like us on Facebook. So, do Orthodox Jews interact in the larger community? As with any question involving Jews and Judaism, there is no one easy answer. You will find that modern Orthodox Jews do indeed interact in the larger world. Modern Orthodoxy assumes that a person can live as a productive member of society while still adhering to Jewish law. For example, an Orthodox Jewish attorney can meet with clients, try cases, do anything that a lawyer does, except that he or she cannot work on Shabbat or Jewish holy days. He or she sends the kids to an Orthodox Jewish day school if possible, keeps kosher, and observes Jewish law according to the rules of the community. Kids in modern Orthodox day schools can participate in interscholastic activities such as debate, theater, and even sports, but do not participate on Friday night or Saturday activities. In many places, the larger world understands this and makes accommodations for the kids' participation whenever possible. Modern Orthodox Jews look like anyone else, although women tend to wear skirts and men almost always wear a kippah, a small head covering. The Haredi communities are different. The underlying principle behind the Haredi communities is that separation from the larger world will keep the community together and enable Jews to better observe Jewish law. Haredi Jewish men will often work in shops as or as professionals in the larger world, but then retreat into their communities when done. For example, many jewelers in Manhattan are Haredi Jews, but you will see Haredi men get off private buses in the morning, go to their shops, and then board these same buses at the end of the day for a direct ride home. They do not use public transportation to get to and from work, further isolating them from the larger world. We can easily identify Haredi men by their clothing. Most Haredi men sport the earlocks called payas, wear a long frock coat, even in summer, with a fur hat, especially on Shabbat. We can even tell which specific community a Haredi man belongs to by the make of his shrimal his fur hat. These are the Jews you see in those portraits. Haredi women almost always wear blouses and skirts. The principle of tzniyut, modesty, 
demands that their clothing cover their elbows and knees. Once married, Haredi Jewish women shave their heads and wear wigs outside their homes. This tradition goes back to the second century CE when the wife of an exalted rabbi shaved her head and sold her hair so that her husband could afford to study. What I admire most about the Orthodox community, both modern and Haredi, is the importance of family and community. Life revolves around the dinner table and synagogue. With such large families, everyone has cousins galore, able to celebrate in happy times and commiserate when things go wrong. With such a tight-knit community, there is always somebody to lean on for support. The synagogue becomes the community, the place where you see your friends every Shabbat, and the rabbi is a true resource, not just for legal rulings, but also for spiritual and emotional guidance. Just as important, there is a tremendous emphasis on Jewish learning. Studying Torah is a lifelong endeavor. It does not end with a bar mitzvah at age 13. Jewish texts fill the home, even extending into children's literature. Modern Orthodox Jews and even some Haredim extend this principle into secular learning. It is not uncommon for scientists, lawyers, doctors, and other professionals to be Orthodox Jews, active in the world, but still focused on the principles that bind the community together. In conclusion, let's not make Orthodox into objects of curiosity. Theirs is a rich Jewish tradition with wonderful customs and a sacred way of life. Those bearded Orthodox Jewish men are not objects of derision, nor should we stereotype all Jews as looking like them. Instead, let us give Orthodox Jews the respect that they deserve. Next week, we will look at conservative Judaism. Conservative Judaism is not a political statement. It is the stream of Judaism that straddles the differences between Orthodoxy and Reform. It's a middle ground that conserves Judaism. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. You can listen to and rate previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, or other popular podcast outlets. Also, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day, and remember, how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. Till we see each other again. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this has been Torah for Christians.